I'm Ann Police. And I'm Denise Cooper. And you're listening to Two, Two Average, Average Girls. Girls. Happy Tag Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. How are you? Good. How are you? It's kind of early for us. It's very early. And we're back in the same room. I can't believe it. It's so good to see you. It's good to see you. You even look great. I'm not. Do I? Well, I mean, I was expecting. I wasn't sure what to expect. Because I got off a plane at midnight? Yeah, she got home and we decided to do, our our guest here is limited a little bit on her time. So we have her in in studio pretty early in the morning. Yeah. I mean, nine o'clock in the morning is early for us. We're usually like <laughs> mid-afternoon. That's when we get our stride. <laughs> That's it. That's our <laughs> podcasting stride. We so. don't know, but we, this we've never done it this early before, mm-hmm. I don't think. Mm-hmm. So it's good. Yeah, it's good. Maybe this is going to be our new thing. I. Uh, Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the look on your face said I don't, otherwise. I don't want to commit to that, but I'm glad to be here and we're so happy to have our guest with us today. Susie is a longtime friend of Denise's. Yes, yes. I'm I've been wanting Susie on the show for a while. We finally talked her into doing it. She's looking at me like, I don't know why I'm here. <laughs> and I, Susie and I have known each other for over 20-something years. Yeah. We raised our children together. Mm-hmm. Our kids were friends growing up. Um, her son works with us at work. And wow. the, fam- the, the family's back together. Yeah, full I mean, circle. Yeah, full circle, full circle. Our kids mm-hmm. are also the, kind of the same age. So mm-hmm. we've kind of done that. And our f- husbands have a romance they do it's very cute oh, they do we are adorable. now officially golf widows we are officially but we started playing golf as well yeah. and Susie and i have gone away to different locations so that we could vacation <laughs> we use that in air quotes and spend time with our husbands and we are on the golf course with them yes and, and we like it we do we love it we've had a great time doing that we've talked about that because a lot of women are like I'm not going to play golf just because my husband wants to play golf. I'm not going to do that. And Susie and I have a different outlook on that. We're just glad they want us there with them. Yeah, it makes them look better, too. I think so. We're out there. (laughs) Yeah, well, (laughs) you're amazing, (laughs) husband. (laughs) It is because, I mean, we get out there and we're one of the only women out there. Yeah. I mean, most men are like, I'm getting away from my wife. I don't need to be here. This is what, this is a guy thing right? right and we actually golfed with a gentleman in augusta who said he had never before golfed with another with a woman that's right i, I was telling Susie, and we talked about this before it, we got on air that it seems to be a theme for us um a lot of our guests have been people who have reinvented themselves and i like the whole concept of not getting stuck in something that you're doing that you might not have pa- a passion for or that you are you don't like so right now Susie is a marriage and family therapist well I just recently retired recently retired yes, for the last 20 years I, I did that work and you're you know you're bringing up a really important point because what was a decision for me was when I was an early mother was when I decided to go back to school and pursue this now this was something that was such a huge interruption right into our family and yet I did it anyway and I'm so glad I did because now I can't and that that's why I'm so grateful to be here because I got to reflect now that I'm newly retired on the last 20 years and I'm so grateful for this profession and I'm glad that I did it and I'm glad that I sacrificed what I did did you have a degree before in something else or you started kind of from zero I kind of started from zero Mm -hmm. I mean I went to two years of college right So that's about all I had. And then, you know, I don't know if you know, back in the day, like in the 70s and 80s, it was really about women bringing home the bacon and frying it up and you were supposed (laughs) to be all things to all people. I love that. I love that. I can bring home the bacon, fry it up in a pan. (laughs) The movie Working Girl with uh, Melanie Griffith and Sigourney Weaver, where you are just busting all day, every day, was the theme of the 80s. Exactly. And and you have it all. You can have it all. Right. Right. And so the message to me, the messaging was... I needed a career. I didn't necessarily need to go to college. So I started working at a family law firm for 10 years and became a paralegal. And that is where I began to realize that I had skill set for listening to people and empathizing with people. So you can imagine in family law, we've got lots of people getting divorced and <laughs> you know child custody issues. These yep. are not pretty things. No. But I found myself on the phone really being able to calm people down, you know, understand them to the point where my boss would come in and be like, 
Susie, you're not their therapist. Get off the phone. You've got work to do. Really? So that was the first time I had heard that word being associated with myself. And I think somewhere it got stuck back there. Um, yeah. Do you feel like you were a nurturer, that person in your family? I was totally, I'm the empath, right? I didn't realize that that, that was a word for it. Mm-hmm. All I knew is that if I saw somebody hurting or embarrassed or being hurt in any way or even an animal, I would cry. Oh, so no. I was the kid always crying about things. <laughs> you took that it I had on seen. yourself. Yeah. Right. It was like I had a magnet on my head, nothing got past me. Mm. As so. women, I feel like that's somewhat and it doesn't have to just be women because I know people that are like that. I think it's fascinating though that you're there in a law firm and instead of deciding that you're gonna go to law school, <laughs> you you go into the counseling mode. We both know people who are family law attorneys and they it is it is a thing that you have, law is just like kind of a secondary. You have to be a yeah. psychologist right? when you're in there, you know, dealing with people who are having family crisis, which is divorce or child custody. So I find it fascinating that you're in that setting. And instead of saying, oh, I'm going to, you know, go up to UCLA Law School, you're like, no, no, I got to, I've got to yeah. be a family therapist right. instead. Right. Yeah. I love that. It made me feel good about myself, right? Yes. To get off the phone and know that maybe I made someone's day a little bit brighter who was really in a lot of pain. Yeah. You said that you went and you decided that you were going to go back to school. Mm-hmm. And how old were your kids when that happened? This is a funny story, but uh, my, I had just had a little girl, my second child, and I was sitting in my living room. My mother had come to visit. She was sitting next to me, and I was nursing my daughter. And so she was only, I don't know, maybe two or three months old. My husband waltzes into the living room and says, <laughs> hey, honey, I'm going to go jump on my Harley and go for a ride with the boys. I'll see you in a few hours. And I remember just bawling, (laughs) like just crying. And my mother is like, honey, what's going on? And I said, I don't know. I just have a yearning or a desire. And I I don't know what it is. And she goes, okay, all things being equal, what do you want to do with your life? And it just popped out. I want to be a therapist, and I want to get my own freaking Harley. <laughs> nice. One and two. One done and, and two. Done. <laughs> and I actually did both. Did you? I did. I went and learned how to ride a, a motorcycle, Good. and then my husband bought me my own Harley, and I went back to school. Where did you go to school? I had to start at um, Santa Ana College because yeah. I hadn't even gotten my bachelor's degree, so I needed to finish a, a class or two there. Then I went over to Cal State Fullerton. Mm-hmm. So you started at junior college and then went to... Yes, and I rode my motorcycle to junior college. Yeah, you did. (laughs) And then went to Cal State Fullerton and got a bachelor's degree in psychology um, and then a master's degree um, at Chapman University. Mm -hmm. How long did all of that take? You guys. I mean, (laughs) you look at family photos of vacations over the last 10 years, and I think I had a book in front of my face the entire time. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. So it took me about maybe four years to finish right and get my master's and it took me seven years to get licensed seven seven years you need three thousand hours of what of of volunteering or gaining your hours sometimes you could be employed okay but because i was a wife and a mother yeah and i had to go back to work my husband's business started to have a little bit of trouble Mm -hmm. right and Mm -hmm. so i felt like okay now it's time to set aside my goals and to really support him um, so I was lucky enough to get hired by the nonprofit I was working for getting hours. They hired me as a supervisor. Are you doing counseling work in, in that job? Yes. Okay. So yes. you're getting, I'm getting my hours getting and I'm getting need. income. Wow. Yeah. Which oh. doesn't always happen. Doesn't always happen. Sure. No. It's worked out well. Your husband, who I know very well, is very supportive, yeah. but he's also a guy. <laughs> Yes, he is. <laughs> what does that mean? Last Denise? I checked. <laughs> Please tell us more. I don't want to, you know, again, I, we have listeners who are males. I mm-hmm. just know that there's a big difference of when you said, I want to go back to school and I want my own Harley. I, I'm sure the Harley part was okay for him. Yeah. The school part probably was like, how is that going to affect me? <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. How did that go over? You know, it's funny because I think it meant more to him to have his wife be happy, Mm. right? That's a unhappy wife. Unhappy life is like not a joke. Like that's a real thing, Mm -hmm. right? And he could tell it was such a big dream of mine um, that I just, I think he loved me. And so he wanted the best for me. 
And I'll be forever grateful to him for that. That's awesome. I think that is something that when people are listening and they're thinking, I want to go and I want to do X. I want to do something different. I'm my kids are out of school. They're they're kind of self sufficient. I don't know if I have the support Mm -hmm. of that. How do people how do we how do we maneuver through that if you don't have that? Well, I mean, I I experienced that in private practice, right? You'd have a couple come in, one of them had a dream, the other one just couldn't see being a partner to that, right? Because mm-hmm. it was going to be hard and it was going to ask Impa- something impact of them. them. Yeah, and so what I did was just like let's just focus on what would happen if it didn't. If you didn't have your dream come true, what would happen? And the partner that had the dream was like I'm going to be devastated. Like I'm just I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. And so you had a decision to make, you know, and most of the time people did the right thing and supported their spouse. How many times does that involve money? Hmm, a lot, a lot. I'm trying to, like, I can't conjure up a, a, a specific case. A lot of it was more about time. Um, shared responsibilities around the house would then shift, right? So right. instead of it being 50-50 at this time, it's going to remove that one partner who has the dream for a little bit so that they can pursue it, which means that the responsibilities would fall on the other. So it was more about that kind of thing. It was definitely money, but it was really more about child, like I'm gonna have to take care of the kids, I'm gonna have to prepare meals, I'm gonna have to blah, 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 all those mm-hmm. things. And is yeah. it a lot of times the woman, the wife who has the dream that needs to be supported and the man who's like, I don't, or is it kind of split? Well, that no, I, I, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, it was the women, mm-hmm. right? Because men were probably already in their dream. <laughs> pursuing their dream (laughs) yeah right right Um, they picked a career profession that they love and that they wanted to do and yeah off they went when you've got a family and women are having kids right um it puts them in a position to have to make a decision that's tough and it often makes them feel guilty so yeah right unwinding from the guilt of wanting to pursue outside of being a mother and by the time they get to you though as a counselor do you find that you you have to help them to make the decision or do you think the decision's sort of already made and they just need you to clarify that this is what we're doing? <laughs> I know, I felt, you know, it's funny you should say that because now the word permission is coming up for me. So I think a lot of the time, I think people came in hoping that I would give them permission to pursue it, that they were worthy to pursue their dreams really? and goals. Oh, yeah, and be supportive in that because a lot of them were working from the, from feeling guilty about whatever it was that they wanted to do. Men don't feel that. I was just going to say, how sad. How sad yeah. is that? That really makes me, because I, I'm supported, and I know Denise is supported in pretty much whatever. We, we're sitting here doing a podcast. Give me a break. Yeah. We're clearly supported. Yeah. But how sad that would be to me to think that, you know, I'm sure you saw that a lot. Yeah. People, yeah. do people get into your office and suddenly realize, oh no, this is who I've married. At a certain point, we all are, our expectations of what it was supposed to be change. And then how do we, how do we transition that? And, and nothing against men or women. I mean, it could be the other way around. A man could be like, I went to law school and I mm-hmm. hate my life. Oh, right. completely. I don't want to do this. I want to be a chef. Right, uh, right. I want to be know. a cop. Uh, you know, right. you know yeah. something. Mm-hmm. There, there could be this transition, but we don't give each other permission to have that time because number one, it's scary to change. Mm-hmm. Number two, it also involves money and responsibility sharing. Mm-hmm. That I think that a lot of times we just aren't willing to give. Well, again, I think going to the end is very helpful. So let's go to the end of the story. What would happen? How would you feel if it didn't happen? Mm-hmm. And once they got in touch with that, mm-hmm. you know, how would you feel at the end of this if you were looking at your partner realizing that you couldn't support them? And that and they now didn't they're their still dream. doing their thing that they hate because you were afraid of what it might do. And you and, were selfish. And a lot of the time it's irrational thinking, right? They have all these fears that are blocking the way. And once you process that with them, okay, and then what would happen? Well, I'm afraid this would happen. Okay, well, then what would you do? I would do this. Okay, and then what would happen? And you just walk them all the way to the end of the story, mm-hmm. and they see that they can do it. It's going to be okay. Oh, man. I, I, we know a couple like that. I, I'm not, <laughs> not going to name names, but that's it's given me anxiety just hearing you say that because I can see this couple that I know just saying, the wife saying, he'll be fine if he doesn't 
live his dream. What's more important is, you know, having the security that we have. Did you see a lot of that? Any Mm -hmm. of that? Well, people are so frozen in fear of the unknown, right? And so a lot of the work would be being okay with not knowing, right? Yeah. And then also getting them to understand that they have so much strength that no matter what comes their way, they will figure it out along the way. There's nothing to fear but fear itself. I mean, that was just a a really great thing to say because it was true, right? Your your imagination is running away with you. Mm -hmm. Did you find that when people got into that, the reality was the love wasn't there or the commitment wasn't there more than the fear of allowing that person to do it and maybe it's about money. It's really about, I have to find it in myself to say, do I care enough about that person to make this happen? Right, yeah. I mean, you do need to evaluate that. Um, Sometimes dreams need to be set aside. So that was also a reality Mm -hmm. where the couple's talking about all of the things it would take to make it happen, to bring it to light. And they would de- they would decide it was too hard. So then you just take what the dream is and try to break it down into a smaller piece. Right. You know, when uh, they always say that people who go into this profession have a lot of issues themselves. <laughs> oh, of therapy? Yeah, of therapy, yes. right? Susie? <laughs> uh, Susie, is there something you need to talk <laughs> yeah. to us about? I was a hot mess when I was younger. Mm-mm. I had zero community. I mean, I was kind and loving and sensitive. Yeah, okay. But I was also a child of divorce. I had mm-hmm. huge daddy issues. Mm-hmm. I had poor communication skills. I kept, I was internalizing everything. I um, had some failed relationships, so I had a little bit of trauma associated with those. Don't we all? And I could not manage my emotions. I just wore them out. They just like spilled out of my body. This profession literally saved my marriage and saved my life. So what I didn't realize until I reflected on this with you gals, which I'm so grateful to do, is how much it saved me. And I didn't realize that what it was really doing, going back to school, was not for my clients, my future clients, but it was really for myself. Wow. 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 That's amazing. Oh, that's wow. like an, yeah, that's <laughs> like a, you just had an Oprah moment. I did. I had an aha, ha, ha. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So did you bring that your your sense of trauma and then sort of healing from that to your practice? Of course, That's, I think, right? Because you bring yourself into the room. You mm-hmm. are. And I think I learned to do more of that. There was more of me in the room as I got comfortable with, with the work, right? Yeah. Before you're all like buttoned up, you know, you sure. got your cardigan sweater on mm-hmm. and your, you know, comfy shoes and you're going to, you know, have your pen and your paper. And by the time I was done with my career, it was like, let's just be real. You know, this yes. is what... This is what happened to me, and this is how I dealt with it, and I can really relate to it. And you just kind of, you're a little bit more willing to give of yourself. And clients really appreciate that. I think they know it. They, they, they can do. feel that. Did you have an area, though, that you were like, this is my speciality? Okay. This is where I shine. Yes. This yeah. is going to sound really weird. No. <laughs> it's going to sound Tell weird. us. Infidelity. Like, oh. I loved what? infidelity. When people cheated, you loved it. I loved it. It was so awesome. I can't. My eyes, I can't take my eyes off to Susie. Tell us everything. What does that mean? Well, and it was only through working with couples that I realized how much I loved it. I'll tell you what. um, That would scare me. That's like a deep, dark, like fear, I think. I mean, for everybody in a relationship, having that happen. It's such shame. It's such shame. Such shame. So tell us. Well, I think a lot of it had to do with, I came upon some really great information about how to deal with infidelity. Mm. And it was like a was like it opened up my feelings about it, the kind of the um, taboo, right, mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. And so what I found was that it opened up the door to let's examine what happened. And what you would find is this was a couple that was already having trouble way before that happened, right? Not always. Some guys or girls, women, were just serial cheaters. They, they had all kinds of committed. issues. Right, yeah, all kinds of commitment issues, intimacy issues. But for the most part, when they understood that it was a symptom of something else, once we got to the something else, the partner that was hurt understands their part in it, and it even the playing field. So I think a lot of people that were hurt by infidelity would come in with like their stick, and they were just going to sit there and beat on their yeah, partner. Sure. 
once we really got they into need to, it they deserve it yeah they deserve uh-huh. it bad boy bad girl but once we got into it they realized oh wait i had a part in this. i contributed to it and so that even the playing field and it eliminated a little bit of the shame that the person had but what i found more than anything was the level of forgiveness that people are willing to give each other really? was unbelievable really yes because i'm always like yeah i'm not i'm not about everyone it. says that right yes. right like i'm out that's yeah. the deal breaker that's the deal it breaker is. right we're yeah. all leaving if yeah. that happens and what i found was they didn't want to do that they loved each other and they wanted to figure out how to get through it. Hmm. And they wanted to understand it. And once we picked it all apart, they got stronger and closer. Wow. And it was really lovely. And they stayed together. Really? Yeah. Is there, yeah. in your experience, who cheats more? Is you there know a number? It was, it was 50-50. Was it? Yeah, honestly. I wondered. Mm-hmm. I wondered about that. Because I think men always get a bad rap. Oh, he's just out cheating. He just can't yep. stop cheating. That's whatever. Right. That's but right. I think that that's... He's thinking with his other brain. <laughs> always always right but yeah so that's fascinating but here's the thing though by the time they decide to come to you they've already kind of stated that they're committed right you know well in fact in in spite of the fact that you cheated let's go see the doctor and try and talk this through rather Mm -hmm. than i think what denise is saying and i can echo that if my husband came home and said i cheated i'd be like here's sorry what here's my bag as i'm running out to my car there wouldn't be a discussion but i think that's admirable that people are like yeah he cheated and yeah i'm really hurt and i or he or she and i just want to kill this person but let's go see a counselor and talk it out and i should say that probably their first thought was packing the bag and leaving yeah yeah they might have they might have actually done it exactly yeah draining Draining the bank account account. (laughs) yes number (laughs) two right exactly four seasons Uh south coast plaza Not in that order. I'll show you. I'll show you. Stinking. Yeah. And yeah, a lot of couples would come in and they had already moved out. They were living with, you know, in-laws or parents or whatever. Um, So yes, that's true. Yeah. But I felt like if, if one moves out and stays out, apparently the statistics aren't very good for that. Sure. Sure. Right. And how can can you work on a relationship when you're not living together? Did you specialize in, in couples therapy or was there more family therapy? Um, so I thought I would be working with children because again, remember I had 10 years of working in the school setting. So my idea was when I set up a private practice, I'll just have families come in, right? Mm-hmm. I wanted to work with the entire family. Yeah. And so I was a systems therapist. Like I really believed that the family was a living, breathing entity, right? And that we needed to work with everybody in the family in order to make change. But what walked through the door were couples. So there you are. Mm-hmm. I, I had to, and I wasn't prepared for that but when i thought about it okay couples are coming in all right let's get ready for the battle i thought i'm going to be dealing with a lot of anger and rage and you know i came from an italian family lots of screaming and shutting door you know slamming doors and all that so i'm like bring it i got it yeah what i was not prepared for was the amount of pain and grief and sadness that came in the door and so that's that's where it was a parallel process i needed to work on wow, this is bringing up stuff for me oh. coming from a split home, right? Mm-hmm. And be able to maintain that and still be able to walk them through their process. So couples were predominantly what I saw. When you say pain and grief, are those issues that people are bringing from their previous lives or are these uh, things that have happened within the marriage or both? It could be both. But what you found was a lot of them were experiencing the pain of their own parents' divorce. Yeah. And the fear that they were going to go through it, and then the reality that they were going through it. And so those are the people that were really highly motivated, though, because they didn't want, especially if they had kids, they didn't want their children to go through what they went. They wanted to stop it. They wanted to stop it. And sometimes, though, like I told you, my experience was I ended up working with couples who wanted to split up, Mm -hmm. or we felt at the end of all of that work, it was time for them to go their own ways. I did that more what? than what? working on keeping them together. Really? So yes. you, oh, tell us. Living, we, we, you know, I, who was it? There was an actress that came up with lovingly detached, and that's also a word in. I think it was Gwyneth Paltrow yes, or something. Yeah. Or um, what conscious, is it? Conscious something. Con- Where they're split up, but they're 
there's it's a oh, Hollywood it way of saying we're, we're splitting done. up we're done it's over <laughs> but we want to make it seem like we're better than you so we're going to yes. coin it something else and, and, I, and I think did. even in the addiction model they also talk about lovingly detached from someone who's an addict yes right mm-hmm. so that term was something which that I can understand uh, <laughs> yeah. you know that makes sense right just getting back to what we were talking a little bit about when you saw couples come in is there any kind of underlying maybe reoccurring situation that you saw a lot of like what was it that was bringing them to you that was there anything that was like that we could mm-hmm. glean something from because mm-hmm. it's happening to a lot of people mm-hmm. feeling unappreciated mm-hmm. which made them f- <laughs> i'm like <laughs> which made them feel unloved and yes. when you feel unloved who wants to stay right, right. So because we're all busy, we've got a million things going on, we're just in our lane getting things done, we often forget that we've got somebody who also needs to be lifted up. We need to be lifted up. They need to be lifted up. We need to do a lot more affirming gratitude, you know, thankfulness for what our partner, what we see in our partner, the characteristics we see in them. Sometimes you'll think about it. Like it'd be like, that was really nice that my husband did that. But we know, we don't say it. Right. Mm. Say it. Right? Say it. Say so, it. So pretend Anne and I are in. We're a couple. Mm-hmm. And I feel that Anne is not appreciating me at all. Okay. Mm-hmm. What would you say to a couple to help that, give them some homework? What would be yes. the homework? So I would probably ask, what are you hoping to be appreciated for? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? So then you would speak to... The things that you think you are doing that are not being appreciated. So that gets specific. And then you could respond to what it is that she's hoping to be appreciated for. But I don't need to have to constantly pet her and tell her that she's doing things well because she clearly knows she is. She's she's an accomplished woman. So then you would say to, I would say to you, how does it feel for you to be ignored for the things that you do? I don't need someone to constantly be patting me on the back. That's a tough one, right? I mean, like, and then, that seems like a guy yeah, thing to you say. You know what you want to say? Liar. <laughs> you are a big fat liar. Would you say liar? that? Would you say? I would, I would say, I think we need to hold that thought because I'm not so sure that that's true. Yes. Because human nature is, right? Yes. We have an ego. Yeah. Right. Right? And a healthy ego mm-hmm. needs to be admired and appreciated that's just who we are as humans interesting because i think people think i'm not going to feed into the ego but actually it's the opposite it's like no i have to stroke the ego because now they're going to go out and do even better and be more accomplished because they know that how much i love and appreciate everything he or she is doing right i hate to constantly bring this up but i cannot (laughs) help myself who's more guilty men or women of needing the ego stroke or of not giving the ego stroke surprisingly it's men men need men what men need more um words of affirmation okay so do. men feel less appreciated mm-hmm. around the house yeah than women do yeah or in anything or in any well i would <laughs> that's true i would say women feel unappreciated because they do do so much right but they have um, a community of other women. We tend to be more social. So yeah. we get some of that from right. other women. Very supportive of each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And men in... And we seek it out. And we seek it out, yeah. Like mommy true. and me groups or oh, yeah, just friendship right. groups. Like, right. hey, Anne, let's go, to the, let's go to the store and bond yeah. right. and complain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's more about that, right? But men, though, like especially like the hyper-successful men and I'm speaking of both of our husbands, they get that by the work they do, mm-hmm. the success they have, mm-hmm. money they're paid, whatever they, they, their self-worth hinges on their ability to get paid for what they've, for what they've done. So it does seem kind of counterintuitive that it's like, and, and now I also need to tell you how great you are. I know. <laughs> but there's another level of that because that's just one aspect of their life. They're, they're, but men are identified by the work they do. I'm not the psychologist here. You are. Right. Am I right? Right. But what I think has happened is that that's a social socialization part of growing up in a... a Matriarchal? Well, men have just shut that off. They don't shut, fe- shut off the need to be appreciated. So like mm-hmm. what you just said mm-hmm. in, in um, response to Denise mm-hmm. in your role play was, <laughs> was like spot on. I don't need that. Well... You've just shut that off. You do need it. You, you don't do know it. you need Humans it. Humans need yeah. it. 
they just think they need it from their boss more than they do other people, right? They'll come home and they'll say, my boss doesn't appreciate me. So it seems to be more limited to not being appreciated in the workplace, yes, right? right? You throw a wife on top of that that says, you know, you also besides going off to work, need to help me with all of these other things around the house. Then you've got a man who feels completely overwhelmed and is not appreciated on both planes. And that's where they can start to shut down. And one of the four horsemen that we're going to talk about later Mm -hmm. is stonewalling. They just will shut down. So it seems counterintuitive. And I think the person that needs to be appreciated could be either. Mm -hmm. But it just was surprising to me that I felt like more men felt that I had my practice needed to be stroked more. You know, it was interesting. But now that you say that about like, okay, the boss doesn't appreciate me, you can kind of compartmentalize that. Like that's that, whatever. But now I come home and I'm not loading the dishwasher correctly and blah, blah, blah. I think that is so... Now you don't appreciate me. Right. I think that is Mm -hmm. so, such a woman thing that, and I find myself doing it all the time that he just doesn't do it the right way. Or, but he's trying oh, to help, but so he's trying not to doing help, it right. But he's not doing it right. Mm-hmm, and, yeah. you know, it can be just like when the kids were little, he's not doing, the diaper's not even on. Yeah. It's going to fall <laughs> off in the middle of the night. Can you just do it the right way? Mm-hmm. And oh, we are 100%. so, so bad at giving grace. We all want to feel better about ourselves in relation to others. Mm-hmm. So we all know people that we walk away from an interaction and we're like, I don't feel very good about correct you know this so we we've learned who these people are that we know if we can be around them we're going to walk away feeling better so what happens is if you start taking each other for granted but then husband finds someone who sees all of their great attributes and reminds them about that right and they walk away from that interaction feeling better Mm -hmm. right over time that's just where they're going to go we all go to where Someone else can make us feel better about ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's, That's just, just kind of the way nature. it is. Yeah. Did you study a specific method in your schooling? Um, yeah. So again, I was like a systems therapist. So I wanted to work with families. So I really concentrated on Bowen and Mnuchin, just to throw out names. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I started to have couples, I actually got certified in the Gottman method. And so that was more about couples and if I can talk a little bit about yes, yeah, absolutely. We can talk about that. So Julie and John Gottman are a actual married couple that have been practicing. They're psychotherapists. They um, they started in the seventies. I mean, they mm-hmm. go way way back, and they are still like one of still. the yeah world renowned, very highly respected. And they created a love lab. In, in the 70s? In the 70s. Can wait, you imagine Conjuring that? up some yeah. images I am. there. I thinking about big bean bags. <laughs> and it's not enough Clorox and, wipes. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah. And naked people running everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it actually was an apartment that they had in Seattle, Washington. And what they would do is invite couples in and they would put electrodes on them oh. and they would monitor them for a weekend. Oh. They monitored their blood pressure, right? And their um, their pulse and their facial expressions and their skin, you know, how their skin responds. And they would do this. I think they did this for 3,000 or more couples. They wow. really collected a lot of really good data. And they were the ones that could say with 94% accuracy we can predict whether a couple will make it or not what 94 94 percent that's how good their work was and so they got down to like what communication habits were really really good and which ones were destructive and that's where the four horsemen of the apocalypse apocalypse comes in wait say that again four horsemen horsemen of the apocalypse and And so that is a thing that's a thing what is that so those are four communication habits that can really wreak havoc on a relationship and if you have them and they're chronic and perpetual they will really interfere with the success of a marriage can you name what what are the four so they are defensiveness criticism stonewalling and contempt and contempt is the absolute worst ones Uh, okay it's the worst one so um you know we all are defensive we all criticize sure and we all shut down yeah so these are all really normal natural things that we do in a relationship and you know them because they are the ones that create conflict right always and make us feel like crap (laughs) um contempt is when you really just have disdain for your partner so when couples would come in and i would see that look of disdain they would roll their eyes they would turn away they would name you know name call their partner 
Really? That was like, and what would happen is when I would go over this work with them, I would tell them that that's what I was seeing. And they got really scared. You should see their eyeballs were like huge. Wait, I there's a word for, for that? <gasps> there's a word for what I'm doing really? and it's going to predict the failure of my marriage? It was it was eye opening for them, and then they would really, you know, and it and sometimes they would be like, yeah, because I don't love her anymore. In fact, I don't even like her anymore. And then we would <laughs> lovingly detach, lovingly <laughs> detach, <laughs> and maybe not lovingly, right? Just so, detach. But for the most part, people were like, got it scared them, right? We all right. think mm-hmm. I'm the only one that's feeling this way, especially I think men because they don't go out to the their workplace and share their feelings with their you know, co-workers, yeah. women might. Yep. And we can say like, oh, she's feeling the same way I am. But when men can have something on paper that they can look at and read, it seems like it would be eye-opening and almost comforting to them. Yeah, they were the ones that were really good at homework. Oh, The men were? Yeah. Really? Yeah, That's because it's, you know, it's specific and it's like written yep. down mm-hmm. and we can like... I'm going to... I'm yes. going to nail this. That's right. Like journaling. The men were journaling. The women weren't. Really? They're like, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for really? journaling. And the men are like, got their pen and paper out and they are like writing it down and they take it very seriously because wow. it's a little bit of a challenge. Sure. Right? Sure. And they sure. want winning. They want, <laughs> yeah. they want to come back. <laughs> they got to have that. Win. Yes. They yeah. got to have that instant yeah. sort of gratification. Now right. that all, so the four horsemen of the apocalypse, those four things, Yeah, that is part of the Gottman method as well? Right. Okay. They came up with these four communities communication habits um, that were really the cause of couples breaking up. Oh my gosh. So what are so, the what is the fix for that? The antidote yes. for something like that. So this is what the good news is, right? <laughs> the anecdote to that is to always maintain a balanced view of your partner. When we have disdain for someone, we leave out all of the good qualities that they have. We almost forget. We cut it away from them, right? So when you are in that place, you have to actually consciously think okay i gotta remember my husband is also right this this and this the things right. that i love about him so you don't lose sight of the whole person if someone treated me that way like i couldn't do anything right i wouldn't right <laughs> why that's bother right. why bother to even do the nice stuff that's because that's exactly right and i wanted to talk about that too because gottman comes up with this little term called a bid mm-hmm. and a bid is like whenever i have a need to be to have attention or um I just want to share something that's important mm-hmm. it's like i'll say i'll go over to the window let's say and i will say oh my god honey come here and look at the sunset right and he could say um i don't have time for that and walk out of the room or he could say oh my gosh yeah let me walk over there and you know he'll put an arm around me and we'll look at the sunset setting together mm-hmm. so i was giving him a bid right and he can make a decision about how he wants to take it or does he want to throw it on the ground so what happened with couples is they, one or the other would be offering bids to the other and the other was just doing nothing with them. They were dismissive, right? Mm-hmm. So what I taught them was every time someone wants something from you, a response from you, think of it as like a little package, a little gift with a little bow around it. Mm-hmm. Are you going to take that and throw it on the ground and stomp on it? Or are you going to take it? Right. Right? Yeah. So when they started to have that visualization, when their partner wanted or needed something from them, they would think about that. And they would be mindful about it and they would turn towards their partner. So there was a turning towards and turning away part of the Gottman method Mm -hmm. that they speak about these bids that I thought was really important. Because we do that and we take it for granted that we could just blow off our partners, what they're saying. Yeah. I'm busy right now. I can't. I I literally, my husband always wants to show me something or he'll say, hey, come here. Even if it's on the television and he wants me to to watch it with him. And I'm always like... Exactly. That's I'm a bed. on my way to put away the laundry. Yeah. What are we doing here? You are dropping that little gift on the floor. I am totally dropping the gift on the floor. Oh. But I will come back and I will sit there and I'm sometimes in it and sometimes I'm just standing there. But now I feel like a jerk. I, every time I walk through this house, there's little presents that I'm trying to sh- <laughs> shove aside walking down the hall. Now yeah. I know what they are. Right, right. Is there any time that sticks out in your mind where you've had a couple come in or even just a person that has completely just shocked you done something that you're just like I didn't see that coming yes so working with a couple making great strides so I think um, communication skills is really sort of their problem right the way they speak to each other and we were making great progress Uh, they come in one morning and sit down on the couch 
And she looks over at him and she says, where's your wedding ring? In your office? In my office. And he says, um, I took it off because I'm leaving you. <gasps> oh. In the o- in <laughs> the office. No. And she looks like she just got hit by a truck. She r- coils into the corner of the couch no. and is like beginning to have a panic attack. This is such a shock to her. Mm. And I looked at him and I was like, okay. And he Were looks, you like, are you really serious right oh, now? If I could write a book on the internal conversations <laughs> I have in my head, it would be hilarious. But no. he looks at me and he said, I just thought it was kinder to do it here in your office. Oh, Okay. Oh, nice of you. I think right? we just got to the root of the problem. Yeah. <laughs> so that. So I just um, I excused him. You may go now. And in my mind, I'm like, please go. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. And I, you're not invited back in. So at that point, I just wanted to take care of her. And in yeah. a way, I was kind of glad she was with me. Yeah. Because I had to stay with her yeah. for another hour and a half, two hours just to just to talk her unpackage all of that. Yeah, but that was a shock. I didn't appreciate that and I thought that was a cowardly move. And at the same time, you know, I understand that that was he was doing the best that he could. But he you wouldn't was do he it. really though? I mean, really well, was he? Maybe that's all he had. I mean, that's I'm that's, sorry. That's I, really crappy. I mm-hmm. know. I always give and it, and it is crappy, sure. but it was his crappy was the best that he could do. Yeah, he's just a crappy guy. Did you yeah. feel used? Yes. I often felt used. You know, you hear the word triangulation. So you knew when someone was coming in, a couple was coming in, that one of the partners was going to do that. They were going to pull you over to their side, get you to that's see the their... Reason they're there. They that's want, the reason they're they there. That's the reason they're there. They want an ally. Right. I'm going to come into the office, and Susie's going to tell my wife and my husband how crazy they are and that I'm right. And everything will be okay. So mm-hmm. I can I could sense that immediately. Mm-hmm. Did yeah. you find that people came in there and were just there to go through the motions? Right, of course. And you know, after a while, they'd they'd admit it. Really, you know, mm-hmm. um, I just feel like if I do this and go through this process, then you know, I can feel like I've tried everything before yeah. this marriage is over well that way you've got bragging rights later which for lack mm. of a better term where you can say well we went to counseling exactly and i learned work. i learned to do an assessment before they would come in so that i knew who had one foot out oh. and who had one foot in with with this couple where he like left in the middle of the session did you suspect that from him no, it was a shock to me was as it? well. And I'd like to think I'm somewhat intuitive, but I didn't see that coming. He was good. He was good. He Which was tells you a lot good. about him. Yes. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. How, I'm sorry, now I'm just fascinated by this couple. <laughs> yeah. Had they been married a long time? Mm-hmm. They had been married a long time. They had two children. Mm. Um, what came to light afterwards was that he was having an affair. Yes. And he had somebody else and he... He was one foot out. He was, you know, the typical complete narcissist, Mm. you know. She was the breadwinner of the family. So she was really um, um, focused on her work. And he was the golf guy. So when she would go off to work, she ran her own business. He would be on the golf course. And he ended up with the cart lady. Oh, the no. cart girl? No. So it was, you know, to me, that's wow. a relationship made in heaven. Like, it go really for is. it. Go ahead. <laughs> you you know. deserve each other. Yeah, exactly. How about it? Perfect. <laughs> any, any other things come to mind that have been mm-hmm. shocking as well? I had um, a couple come in and she, he, he was so in love with her. You could tell. And you could tell that she had one foot out, but mm-hmm. I didn't really know. I was just sensing that. Well, uh, I think it was the second session that she came in. They came in and um, she told him that she fell in love with another woman. Oh, at where she worked, <laughs> and that how she, did he react to that? Well, see, he he she was a stripper okay. in her oh. old life, and oh. that's actually how they met. Sure, oh. got it. Right. Yep. So. And he said, I knew that she, you know, was sort of a free spirit, should I say, in her sexual life. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was like the coolest thing in the world. And then we got married. (laughs) Yeah, right. That's That's, a dream come true. It's the fantasy of all fantasies. But um, he didn't see that coming. So uh, she just said, I'm I'm in love with another woman. And so he... Did you see that coming yourself? No. 
I didn't a, I didn't know about her past because we hadn't even gotten that far. He's not very far into right? the relationship you had with these people. Yeah, so what he thought was the great fantasy about her maybe having relationships with same-sex, you know, mm-hmm. same-sex relationships mm-hmm. that he thought was part of his fantasy now became his nightmare. <laughs> you know, and I felt really, I did feel for him because he was really in love with her. So I worked with him actually individually. Yeah. She was out. She knew exactly where she was going. She didn't need any help. Um and she left and so i worked with him trying to move through the grief and loss that he was experiencing when they got married did her uh free-spiritedness end and that's why they came to you in the first place well i guess what happened when they got married was she said that their sex life just went down the toilet she said that she said that what what did he say he said that he wasn't very interested in in sex but she was a stripper that's why you marry her Uh, i'm well stripping's not about sex it is for this dude. I mean, well, apparently yeah. not, though. You would think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, obviously, some deep-seated things that we needed to work out, but <laughs> they went away. Like, I worked <laughs> with him on this, and then he went on his way. I think I might have even referred him out. <sighs> um, but that was a little, like, oh, didn't see that coming. That's a head-scratcher. Yeah. It's really, I, like, now I'm thinking, wait, well, then what was the po- What's the point? Why are you... Right? Okay. And I had Maybe another... fantasy came true, and then it wasn't... what. Is- was cracked yes. up to be so in the lines of fantasy i had another couple that came in they were they had been married for about 10 years and their sex life was getting a little dry or whatever and so he came up with this brilliant idea that she could have an affair oh, that oh. sounds great with somebody that she worked with Wow! right and then when that started he was really happy because she came was it another she, man was it a man it was another woman? man okay. yeah um, so it worked because she came home to him all hot and bothered. And so he was benefiting from this arrangement, right? But then what happened was the relationship, the affair became much more um, important to her, right? Yes. She really, she, they, they had rules. They, they, so again, here I am having that to develop so rules strange. for an open marriage, which was something I had never done before. Um, so I had I got supervision for this because I had <laughs> I had feelings about it and I needed to really work through your that. personal feelings, my personal feelings. So and my personal values, and I knew that I I needed to come into it a little bit more open. I don't know how you do that. You seek supervision, well, supervision, good supervision, supervision. Because I would have been like, yeah, this is not okay. Right. Well, it's okay until it's not. Right. Right. You well, got two adults making decisions, so they set up rules for how this was going to work. And then what happened was the rules were starting to get broken by her. One of them was she comes home, she doesn't spend the night. They had kids. I'm pulling the skin she, off my face. I I'm know. freaking out. She <laughs> would stay. She would stay with him, the lover. Okay. Then she would come. She was out all night. She would come home, take her kids to school, and then that progressed to that. And it progressed to that. She kept breaking the rules, right? Um, and I think the kids were not allowed to meet this person, oh. but you know, because anyway, saying, all no. of this, all of this is so like, we're like, it's we're so, so unseemly. What yeah, ended up happening with well, this couple? What happened was he wanted to stop. It, the husband came in and said, I don't want to do this anymore. I take, oh, yeah, I, I take, take it back. I take it back. I take it back. You can't get that back. I don't think. That's what she said. She goes, <laughs> it's like you dangled a candy bar in front of my face and now you want to take it back. And I don't. I don't want to give it back I'm to you. I'm already eating the candy bar. Right. It seems so odd, though. What? You You said those words, and, you know, it started out, the sex wasn't what it, it was drying up or whatever you said it was, and every couple goes through ups and downs of good and, and could be better type of things. I can't imagine, number one, having my partner suggest that, and number two, seeing that candy bar dangled and taking a bite of it. Yeah. For lack of a better word, right? Like, right. I can't imagine going to that. So there must have been, again, I'm no psychologist, but there must have been an underlying issue there that mm-hmm. was so much deeper than just the sex not being good. Exactly. It never is about the thing. Right. right? It's yeah. never about the it's thing. never about the thing that they come in with. So it's like this onion. You're just peeling back layers upon layers. When I so, talked to her about coming on, I said, mm-hmm. you know, we don't communicate. Men and women are not communicators on the same page. I mean, we just, our love languages are different. Right. Those, I, that kind of creeps me out, that whole idea of like a love language or how we communicate. But it's not. We're from Venus and they're from Mars. Right. But it ties into the family of origin issues mm. because 
think about all of the the richness in our family of origin. There's just so much uniqueness to each of us and our experiences, right? What we grew up with. And we can have generalizations about it, but it's so unique. So this idea that all women are from one planet yeah. and all men are from the other, it always uh, dawned on me, there's not enough planets. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was John Gray, right, who came right. up with this. And it was groundbreaking because it really helped couples understand why they were there was so much conflict in the relationship. Sure. So it was really important work. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, it really resonated with people. But as societies have evolved, it became less and less relevant. Mm-hmm. Because I think he says, I want to quote here, He says, um, quote, a man is primarily concerned with autonomy, achievement, power, and efficiency. His sense of self is centered around his ability to solve problems and reach goals. On the other hand, a woman is primarily concerned with relationships, love, connection, and aesthetics. Her sense of self is centered around her ability to nurture others, communicate her feelings, and build quality relationships. Now, that could be true. Yeah. But it could also be very inaccurate right Right. so what i found was if i maintained this viewpoint and made these assumptions i would totally miss the mark with my clients Mm -hmm. and i did in the early part of my career right Mm -hmm. so what i realized is instead of and and the couples would come in and be like well you know she's a woman you know she's from (laughs) venus i'm 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 over here at mars and we can't (laughs) possibly that's a nice little package to put it in right it is right oh exactly Mm -hmm. it was a simple little box so i got learned i learned to say Tell me about the planet you're from oh. as a way to kind of counteract this and like start over. And the planet you're from is family of origin, right? And so it also served to externalize the problem, right? Mm. So if I could say, hey, from the planet I came from, this is how it was done. Yeah. Then it puts the problem out there. It makes it a lot less personal. And then we could start to work through it without them being so defensive. Mm-hmm. So it became less about you know a dichotomous way of viewing men and women to a very rich you know people are very complicated and are deserving of really getting into their world instead of just lumping them into one because mm-hmm. okay. i know a lot of women and you two are 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 a perfect example of autonomous achieving powerful and efficiency you <laughs> have well, a, thank you. you know all of these things right yeah. so i would never say that that you're that's absent from you mm-hmm. and at the same time you can have all of these right right, right a little bit and of all, all of, of it yeah and men yeah. can too vice and versa too in yeah. fact i probably have more of the masculine tendencies and my husband can have a lot of the feminine tendencies he can be very empathic and sensitive i yeah. think it's hard for us to not lump us into boxes or or put us into this one little thing because it just makes it easier right if you go to that next level of what what planet are you from you're opening up a plethora of a solar system of a solar system of (laughs) what universe yeah i mean because when i would imagine when people come into therapy they want to be there for a short period of time because they don't want to, this isn't a lifelong goal of mine to be sitting on the couch with somebody and mm-hmm. spilling my guts. Mm-hmm. Right. Let's just get this done with, okay? Mm-hmm. And really, good therapy takes a while. It takes a while, but it doesn't have to take too long. And so I do agree with that. It's the people that come in, they you know sit down on the couch and like, so how long is this going to take? I'm like, oh Ugh. gosh, as long as it takes. I don't know. Yes. I don't even know you. But it doesn't have to be a forever thing. And I think that's what keeps people out of therapy. Right. Is because they think this is going to be like, who's the one that's been in therapy forever? Uh, Woody. Allen. Allen. Mm. He probably needs it. I think he's going to need to be there for a while. He's a little He probably needs to be in prison. But that's a whole different... (laughs) That's a whole other podcast. That's a whole different podcast. I'm sorry. (laughs) Go ahead. There's a a thought, and maybe this comes from the 80s, uh, which is where all good thoughts about therapy come from. (laughs) There's, I've heard it said that there's only X amount of personalities, say eight. There's only eight different personalities. And you can pretty much tell when someone walks in the room and you get a chance to sort of talk to them, which category they fit into. Is that Mm -hmm. in any way accurate? It definitely is. And I think a lot of people use that work in their sessions with their clients because it does, it it just speaks to characteristics and traits that they have. And then if you can figure out the characteristics and traits of their partner, Mm -hmm. you can see, you can compare them, right? Yes. Where are we gelling? Like, where are we intersecting? And where are we 
parallel and we've got to figure out how to bridge bridge that right right so we work on how to bridge the, the, the two, two personalities things. yeah have you ever come across a true psychopath I don't think so. Oh my gosh. I know. I have come across narcissistic, extremely narcissistic people and they don't do well with me. I, I, if I sense it, um, I'll seek supervision about it. And generally I have had to refer them out. I, I get very triggered. Tell me what a narcissistic person, I mean, to give the viewers or the listeners, what is a, a textbook, a textbook definition. narcissist yeah. so yeah. they can understand what we're talking about? Because I think that word we use a lot, utilize that word a lot with people. Oh, he's just a narcissist. Oh, constantly. Yes. Like constantly. every day for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but it kind of, there is some really serious attributes mm -hmm. that you could probably identify. Right. I want to start by saying that I don't like to lump people into these right. di diagnoses. Sure. I we always, like to lump people. I know. That's what well, we, such a great game. It's, it's and such a fun to, thing to do. You have to diagnose to, you know, for insurance right. of purposes course, of course. only. But as far as a human being, I don't like to do that. But I will say, I will speak to the fact that narcissistic people are really injured. First of all, I'd like mm. to say that. Very, very injured people. There's a reason why they are the way they are. Oh. And so I always try to have a lot of compassion for them. I can't help getting triggered by them, but I do. I you're ultimately, triggered because of where you, your family of origin. I, I think so. And I think as a woman, mm -hmm. I am. And there's probably a lot of other things that I haven't quite flushed out yet. I think if I was to continue to do the work for another 20 years, mm -hmm. right, you might get there. I might get there. Right. So it's true, though. Just as I was figuring out all of this. Time to retire. <laughs> right. Anyway, it. but narcissists need a blood supply at all times to make them feel like they are important. They are they they have a need to feel appreciated at all times. They have a need for you to feel positively about them at all times. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. They need you to agree with them at all times. Mm -hmm. Um and they will twist reality, they will gaslight in order to correct the narrative so that they always can maintain that, right? Mm -hmm. mm. So it's like they are vulnerable little squishy puddles on the inside, but they have built up enough armor that that's what you see. And so you would think that they are um, strong, right? Mm -hmm. um, secure, confident, they come across like that. But the pro problem is, is that they ha lack complete empathy. They have no idea right. what it was like to put themselves in somebody else's place. They're not interested. They're not interested because it's not about you. It's about them. And they use you and you can feel it. We used to call it an itch when you could sit across from someone and it might take a while for you to see it, but eventually they would reveal themselves to you. And... Um, I found that with women, they they call that borderline, right? Borderline um, personality. The borderline personality. I really enjoyed working with women that had that because I could also see them being so damaged on the inside um, that and I just I felt like I could work with that. Right. I don't know what it is about this narcissistic males that I just really struggled with. And I didn't want to hurt them any more sure. than they had already been hurt. Mm -hmm. So I always tried to work out a way you know, to refer them out. When you say you ask for supervision or you need, you've said that several times, What does that mean you're actually having another person in the room while you're doing therapy or you're just talking to another person about this situation? Right. So when you're getting licensed before you are licensed, you get, seek supervision. For me, I think the word that's better suited is mentoring, okay. right? Or yeah. a peer group. Got it. So I belong to a peer group every single year I worked. Every single year, once a week, I would meet with a group. It changed groups throughout mm -hmm. my career. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do psychoanalysis at one point, so I worked with an analyst until I couldn't talk about <laughs> breast, <laughs> breastfeeding mothers who, you know, or toilet training or anything. I just couldn't do it. Um, so I was not a very good analyst. <laughs> the unconscious was, I, I, I had trouble with that. Um, but yeah, you would seek a peer or a mentor to try, and it would always be about you, right? They'd eventually get into what is it ab about this situation that's bothering you? Yes, so as you, a therapist, as mm -hmm. as a person. Mm. So you'd have to really examine yourself, um, and then go back in the room with that understanding. It's almost your own therapy, then. Well, it's such a parallel process. My whole right. career has been a parallel process. Right. So, yeah. like I said, it saved my life. 
totally saved my life. Mm-hmm. What is some advice you would give somebody that is not married yet that they could maybe use to be better mm-hmm. partners? I'm really glad you asked that. And anyone out there that's listening that's about to get married, please go out and do premarital counseling. Really? It only takes a few sessions, but there are areas of your life that you'll want to discuss and have an agreement about, or at least maybe not agree, but you'll know what your partner thinks and feels about it mm-hmm. in every area mm-hmm. that you can possibly imagine. Go there, have a discussion, right? Are there questions they could ask each other without going to therapy? Mm-hmm. But like say, because all of a sudden they might be like, I never thought about even asking that. And now they're married and they're like, I didn't know she wanted 10 kids. Right, right, right. right. Or yeah, there's so many things, so many things in the shadows that because they're in La La Land, they're right. about oh, yeah. to embark on this lovely journey, and so they they're, want it to work out. They do. They they and that and they should feel that way. Mm-hmm. So it's like just spend a few hours in therapy with somebody who does premarital counseling, ask the questions, get clarification, and then walk boldly into your relationship hand in hand. I love it. So I mean, who this, doesn't want that? Every everybody wants. I want that right now. You know, <laughs> I want to walk boldly with my husband somewhere um so on a practical level pull up your internet and just go premarital counseling in my area there's so much information on there and it'll walk through all the areas that you would possibly want to discuss and you can sit down on the couch and carve out really you know you could even do that as a ritual you it could go over a few days or a Mm -hmm. few nights or once a week we're going to sit down and turn toward each other and talk about these things. So it could be something that they do that could be really fun. Mm-hmm. You know, please have a sense of humor about it. And then if there's hot button topics where you feel, uh-oh. This could be a deal breaker or this is something this is, I never realized is even the thing. Right. So right. this is a good idea, though, to have a third party to actually have a counselor mm-hmm. in that. Because we can sit on the couch all day and, and say fun things to each other and yeah. not really get to the bottom of it. I think you need a mediator who's going to go, now, wait a minute, and what did you mean when you said this? Right, exactly. Because what you don't want to do is, with, with, that, with whatever limitations you have, you would want somebody to be able to take that disagreement or whatever is happening mm-hmm. And keep it calm and keep it rolling so that you can get through the other side without it becoming like a thing where, oh, we're going to stop talking right now. And now I'm mad at you. And I don't know if I want to marry you. And, you know, you don't want to get into that. Most of the time, you're going to find that the differences you have can be worked through. And you just need somebody to instill that hope, right? Right? Without it hurting so much we think that a relationship i think a lot of times when you're married or you're newly married you think the relationship or maybe 30 years into it you think the relationship has to be perfect or it has to have this neat little bow attached to it it's messy so messy relationships are messy my thing is life's about relationships Mm -hmm. this whole thing us talking about our relationship with our significant other really comes down to the relationship making the relationship a priority Mm -hmm. and if you have a good relationship with your significant other seems as if the relationship you have with yourself will be affected either for good or for bad Mm -hmm. am i right a hundred percent and i think you bring up the most important part that has to do with um love yourself first Mm -hmm. because only from there will you be able to give it to somebody else Mm -hmm. So I think that's critical. Work, take responsibility for your humanness. And if there's things that you need to work through, work through them before you get married so that you can come into the marriage, right? Mm -hmm. Understanding where you stand and less confused about the things that are going to happen in your relationship with your spouse. So having the relationship with yourself is what you say, Denise, is such a beautiful idea and really, really important. The one you have with yourself of, of all the relationships yes. is the most important. Right. You can't love your other person, even your children. Right. You can't love others unless you at least like yourself. You yeah. got to be on the path to at least getting there to love yourself at some point. Right. And we're all women of faith, so I want to bring that right. up. You know, I mean, I am a woman of faith, and that was always something that I brought into the session, not necessarily explicitly, but implicitly. Yes. And we could always do work around that. If they brought it up, I was very, I was so happy that they would bring it into right. the room because yeah. that was appropriate. Now we can talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if it was a different faith, it was just 
wonderful yeah. to have that. Yeah. So again, your relationship with yourself, your relationship with your creator, whoever that is, higher and power. your higher power, mm-hmm. and your spouse. Get those things in order, you know. And it, you can do that ahead of time. You can do it ahead of time. And it's yeah. never too late, right? Or is mm. it? I can't imagine until the minute you die, you can be working on this. Right. You should be. Right. Right. It's a priority. Be. It's the most important thing. Before yeah. we, our, our guests leave us, mm-hmm. we always ask them to give us a takeaway gift, a tag, something that you can leave with us in the audience and we'll remember you by and maybe you live by it or... Do you have a takeaway gift for us? I do. Um, I was thinking about this, and mine is be the soulmate that you are searching for. Mm, Going say that again. Say that again. Be Be the soulmate soulmate you are searching for. Wow. Looking for characteristics in others that you do not yet possess yourself is unloving. Oh. (laughs) The light bulb just went above your head, Anne. I just saw like a big bright light. It's such a bummer. (laughs) I we want love that. them to have yeah. all those things. Yeah. We don't really, you know. Yeah, why do I need to? Why do I need to if they just would? I would like to also read something from one of the most amazing humans. Um, I had the privilege of supervising her. She was a clinician of mine in my supervision group. And she posted this. And I just came across it the other day. So I love to read it because yes, I think please. it's really cool. And sh- this came out of her own head. She goes, a romantic relationship is not meant to be an infinite source of solutions or entertainment. A romantic relationship is one piece of my home, one aspect of my growth, one source of my passion, one outlet of of release. It cannot be my everything. And her name is Roshni, and I just love her. And I just wow, love what she wrote. I love that. Cool? What's her name? Roshni. 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 That's awesome. We're going to post that on all, all of our socials, as well as your takeaway gift. But that's oh, wonderful. something that's to think about. Beautiful. I love that. Yeah, yeah. we're yeah. going to have to read that again. I know. That's lovely. <laughs> that it is really lovely. It really is. Yeah. Susie, I wanted to call you Dr. Susie. I'm not a doctor. You're not a doctor. I knew that. I'm like, you're not a doctor. But we're going to call you that anyway, because we think you are. Oh, well, thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on. This has been so enlightening and entertaining all at the same time. We really appreciate you coming in. Yeah, I... I feel I feel like we just did a session ourselves. I know. I feel a little bit of relief. But I, I also too. feel like I've got some homework. <laughs> I think we're going to have to do some work. I think we are. Oh. In the meantime, I'm Ann Police. And I'm Denise Cooper. We're Two Average Girls. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook. And be sure and rate, review, and subscribe on all the platforms that you get our podcast, which is pretty much everywhere. We'll see you next time.